This morning I want to talk about a passage of Scripture that's probably really familiar to many of you. If you're part of a church, if you've been in church long enough, I'm sure you've heard this particular story. Even if you haven't been to church, I'm sure you've come across this concept and the story of the, the Good Samaritan. And uh, it's a, it starts, the story starts with a religious man who tries to trick Jesus. And so if you do have your Bibles with you, you know, I've, I've got my PowerPoint just up there. You can read along. Uh, the story is found in Luke chapter 10. I'll give you a few moments to open your apps, open your Bibles, open your iPads, open your eyelids. Not mentioning anyone. Luke chapter 10. Verse 25, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Now, this seems like a really reasonable question and an important question for anyone. What must we do to have success, success, not just in this life, but in the life to come? And so Jesus talks to this religious, he was a religious, uh, he was a scribe, he was a religious lawyer, he was quite a smart guy. And he directs him to the Bible, to their Old Testament, because they didn't have the New Testament because it was just being written, because Jesus was there. Um, and the Old Testament say, well, you need to love God, and love others. That's what the Old Testament would say. If you want to have right relationship with God, it starts with loving God and then loving others vertically and horizontally. So it seems to this man, God makes it very clear how he is to live. But the man had a problem because as I said, he was a religious expert. He was a, he was a, a, a guy that was looking for loopholes in the law. And uh, as, as the religious experts, they had narrowed the definition of what a neighbor is. For them, a neighbor wasn't anyone. A neighbor was someone who was just like them. And so they, they turned a blind eye to everyone in need. This is nice out here. For those that are on screen, that's a helicopter flying ahead. They defined the, a neighbor as someone who was just like them in their own social club, turning a blind eye to those in need looking down their noses to everyone who is different. And, and they totally missed what God was saying. And so the man, in verse 29, the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? <coughs> That's another great question. It's a really important question for us in March 2020. It's a question that all around the world that we as Christians should be asking. And so Luke chapter, Jesus goes on to the story of the Good Samaritan that I, I'm sure you'll know. And I'll read these few verses. So Jesus replied with the story. He said, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him off his clothes. They beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there but he also passed by on the other side. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time in the story because um, you, you're probably familiar with the story. A story of a Jewish man in desperate need. He was, he was beaten up. He was left broken, helpless, and bloody on the side of a road. 
And of course, of course the priests would stop. And the, for, the hear, for the listeners to the story, remember Jesus was talking to a, to a crowd of people. I'm sure he had a bit more people than I've got. But to those listening to Jesus' story, they'd be thinking, here comes the priest, surely the priest will stop. But he didn't. Then came the temple assistant. The temple assistant was rostered on morning tea for the day. And so surely this super spiritual rostered, rostered guy would stop because he's part of the church, he's a good guy. And so the listeners would think, okay, if the priest didn't stop, surely the temple assistant would stop. But he didn't. This man's own countrymen ignored him and left him to die. So those two things, so yeah, they would have surprised the crowd listening. But the next thing that surprised the crowd is what is fascinating. Then a despised Samaritan came along. When he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, I said, if you're part of the church, you understand the, why this story is significant. It's the fact that the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along at all. In fact, they hated one another. Centuries of hostility and disregard for one another. Centuries of thinking that their faith, which was similar but different, that their faith was more superior than the other one. The Samaritan, the, Jesus says that he was despised by the Jews. So the Samaritan had no obligation to this Jewish man. In fact, the Samaritan could have quite happily walked on by. But the Samaritan understood something that the priest and the temple assistant didn't understand. He understood what it means to love your neighbor. The Samaritan didn't care who he was or the fact that the Jew was different to him. He didn't care that the Jew believed something different to him. He didn't care what the social requirements were that the Samaritan, you shouldn't be talking to the Jew. He didn't care what his that his reputation would be affected because he was seen talking to someone else. He simply stopped and he showed love in a very practical way. Now for him, it cost him time. It cost him money. It cost him, I'd, I'd expect it would cost him a reputation. He'd put himself at risk. But he understood something. He really understood what it mean, meant to show love. This good Samaritan, he was an example of someone who really understood, really understood what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. And out of our love for God and out of an understanding of God's love for us comes our ability to truly love our neighbours. And so Jesus, after telling this story, he turns up to this religious lawyer who's trying to trick him. And he says to the guy, he goes, now, which of these three would you say was a real neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, good. Now you go and do the same. This man now understood what it meant to be a good neighbor. It wasn't just ticking a box and saying, well, I'm part of a faith community. A good neighbor is there when people are broken, beaten, battered or bruised. A good neighbor is there often at times at personal cost, 
inconvenience, finances, or even reputation. And I believe this is what God is asking the church across this globe to be, who He's calling us to be. He's calling us to be good neighbours, not good Samaritans, but good neighbours, that we are more concerned with the brokenness and the pain of those around us than in many ways our own needs become secondary. You know, while our current health crisis is significant, that's, that's the facts. This, this may be the first, and this may be, and it's likely this is the first time any of us have faced something like this. A time where despair and hopelessness and fear, those three things are more dangerous in many ways than the disease itself. Now, whilst it may be new for us, it's not new for Christianity. There are people who are, as I think Jenny said it before, we are, we are called by his name. We, are, we, are, we, we carry the name of Jesus. And, and throughout church history, Christianity, Christians, good people like you and me have faced pandemics before. And the Christian response to all these plagues and diseases historically have been anchored and must still be anchored in the foundational teachings of Jesus. And the Good Samaritan story is the first one that reminds us that our love for God should be evidenced as we love our neighbours, as we love ourselves. John 15 verse 13, Jesus would say that there is no greater love. Do you know the rest of this one? That a man would lay down his life for his friends. That's a, that's a fascinating snapshot in what Jesus talks about. What really what, what is love? It seems to me that our Christian response in a time of, pagan, of a plague and disease and virus and pandemic, our Christian response is, is that we should consider our own lives, our own needs, our own comforts as less important than our neighbours. During the plague periods of the early Roman Empire, Christians made a name for themselves. In AD 165, so uh, about 130 odd years after Jesus walked the earth, an ancient pandemic began as troops returned from battle, as the Roman troops returned. Scholars have, have suspected it to be smallpox or measles, but no one really knows what that plague was. It caused in Rome, and Rome itself is going through its own challenges in Italy, but back in ancient Rome, it was taking the lives of up to 2,000 people per day. The total death toll in Rome was estimated at 5 million people. And the disease killed up to one-third of a lot of population bases back then. It was here that historians would reflect on and would suggest that that led to a spread of Christianity as the Christians were the ones that cared for the sick. The Christians were the ones that offered a spiritual model where that showed them that plagues and diseases are not the work of an angry God, but the product of a broken creation. And a creation that's revolting against God, not revolting to God, a creation, a, a humanity that's turned its back on God. But this is not, that they were showing by their actions that, these, that that plague wasn't from God, but God was there in the midst of it through them. That was in AD 165. A hundred years later, another pandemic swept through the Roman Empire that likewise had a massive impact on the growth of Christianity. The Bishop of Rome told Christians not to grieve for the plague victims 
who now live in heaven, rather to redouble their efforts to care for the living. Christians were described. This is, by, not, not, this is described by secular historians. Christians were described as heedless of danger, took charge of the sick, attending to their every need. You see, this habit of Christians saying sacrificial love has appeared throughout history. Let's go to a little less ancient. In 1527, that's still pretty a while ago, when the bubonic plague was, was spreading across Europe and it hit Wittenberg in Germany, Martin Luther refused to flee the city to protect himself. Rather, he stayed and he ministered to the sick. And the refusal to leave the city and the decision to stay and help those in needs would actually see that his daughter's life was lost. And so coming out of that, Martin Luther wrote an incredible piece of literature that would show how Christians are to respond to these epidemics. And I will send this quote to you because I think it is sensational. Martin Luther would say this, when we are faced with pandemics or disease, or plagues. He would say, this is our response, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. That prayer is so good and we will do that and we will keep doing that. So I will ask God to mercifully protect us. Then I shall fumigate and help purify the air. He's saying, then I'm going to, yes, I'll pray, but I'll also keep my social distance guidelines. I'll use my hand sanitizer. I'll wash with soap. I will be careful. I will help fumigate, purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and then perchance inflict and pollute others. And so their cause of death is a result of my negligence. If God so should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I have done what he expected of me. So I'm not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but I will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and doesn't tempt God. That's what we're called to have today is a, is a God-fearing faith that's neither brash, thinking, oh, this is a load of rubbish. It's not a load of rubbish. This is serious. So let's not be brash in our faith. Let's not just think, well, the, the blood of Jesus will protect me. I've put on my armor of God. Now I can do what I want. No, that's foolhardy. Let's understand that we've got a call, as Martin Luther did, to, to show our love for one another by, by doing what we can to, to protect our... In fact, it's not even to protect ourselves. We're, we're encouraging our distancing and, our, and the actions of our church family, not because we want to protect ourselves. No, we are, we are encouraging this and adhering to the guidelines because we want to protect others. That we want to show God's love for others by us. So we're not foolhardy enough to think that we're, that we're, that we're untouchable. So I want to encourage you, let's, be, let's not be brash. Let's not be foolhardy. Let's be wise. But let's find ways to care. Let's find ways to love. Let's find ways to show people that, that we are followers of Jesus and our responses of compassion. And we're going to talk about some... Uh, practical things you can do over this week. I want to encourage you, we're going to be presenting to you options and, and ways that we can serve, not just one another, but serve a community around us. At our, at our help desk, you will find uh, some little slips. Uh, I encourage you to take one with you. You might know someone who's self-isolating. Here's a little slip you can fill in with your name 
and stick it under their door asking, how can we help you? How can we serve? A little later on uh, in the next few weeks, uh, we're going to, Libby was talking to me just this week on how we can adopt and buddy and partner with people in our community. Yes, practicing our safe hygiene and because we care for them and we love them and we don't want our good intentions to be be at risk to them. But we're going to find ways that can help each one of us to really, really, really love our neighbours as we love ourselves. You know, Martin Luther's quote, it echoes Jesus' advice that calls us to love our neighbour. Yeah, I don't believe this virus will require us to lay down our lives for our friends. I don't believe that is the situation. But it may require us to lay down something else. It may require us to lay down that extra pack of toilet paper or that sanitizer, or that extra tin of baked beans. Or perhaps lay down some time to do some shopping for the person next door. Or lay down some cash to meet one of the many needs that we are confronted with. Medical needs, food needs. Perhaps even lay down our pride when the checkout chick tells me that self-raising flour and plain flour are the same thing. Okay. It's going to require us to lay down. So it's going to cause us to lay down our sense of self-righteousness. Our sense of, 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 of it's, it's all about me. It's going to require us to lay down something. Perhaps lay down our attitude when someone doesn't want to hug us. Or, or if you're coughing and spluttering and, and if someone says to you, you know what, I think you should go home and look after yourself. Let's lay down our attitudes. Let's understand that the purpose of this is not to protect us. It's to show love in how we can protect others. It's the call of Jesus for us to love and serve each other. Galatians 6 tells us, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Yes, we have a responsibility to look after our church family. That's something our eldership and staff team are taking very seriously, our pastoral care team. We have a responsibility for one another. We're going to put in place systems and structures that will help us serve you better, love you better, care for you to make sure that you're not uh, feeling distant or disconnected. You know, I heard the difference between the the phrase of, of social distancing. We don't want to... I've got to say this right and I'll clarify. We don't want to have social distance. We want physical distance. We want physical distance, but we want to do all we can to make sure socially, relationally, that we are together. So that's our family of faith, but let's not overlook the fact that that Paul tells us to do good to everyone. We have a responsibility to those around us. And he says, whenever, I love it, Galatians 6.10, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Church, if ever there's an opportunity, it's today. It's this time. It's this season. Perhaps God has placed us, perhaps God has placed us in this far from comfortable environment for such a time as this. Could it be that truly that we are And we will be the hope bringers into our society, into our neighborhoods, into our hospitals, into our schools. Could it be 
that while ever we have an opportunity, we will be the ones that bring hope. We will be the peace bringers. And that we would finally discover what it really means that how that God calls us to be salt and light. Yes, we will practice our safe hygiene practices and our social distances. Yes, we will we'll adhere to the government's requirements for indoor gatherings, outdoor gatherings, space. We will, we will do all that, not to protect ourselves, but to love, serve and care for others. As I said, over these weeks, we will share with you how we can do that. And my last thought this morning, I want to make this very clear. We are not shutting church. We are not cancelling church. It'll just look very different to what we are used to. And we are working very hard to develop some really creative ways to continue to love and serve you and encourage you to keep loving and serving and connecting with one another. We ask you to, I mentioned it before, to, to keep giving. And online giving is a great way, simple way to do that. And more than ever, we, we need and value your partnership to enable us to do what we can to ensure that Hunter Christian Church remains strong and remains together and connected. You know, we are, we, are, we are in this thing together, even though at times we are going to be apart. And we trust that God will help us in a time of social isolation. I'm praying and believing God will help us feel more connected than ever before. In fact, we need each other more than ever before. In fact, our neighbours and our friends... They need us more than ever before. Hundreds of times in the Bible. And I'm just going to ask our, our elders just to make their way up here, please. We're going to close and we're going to pray over you guys. But they can just roll down the hill. Hundreds of times in the Bible, God tells his people, don't worry. Don't fear. Be strong, be courageous. Hundreds of times the scripture is the encouragement of a heavenly father that is instructing his children and his people not to worry. Don't be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. I want to encourage each one of us to be praying for each other more than you've prayed for each other before. Pray for our health services. Pray for our doctors. Pray for the emergency room. Pray for our governments. Pray for our churches. Pray every church in our, across the globe is facing similar things to us. And that, and that likely that's going to change. Pray that you give their, their leaders wisdom and, and how to navigate what it looks like for their community. Pray for our businesses and community. I know even in our church community, our church family, some businesses are being affected. Pray that Jehovah Jireh would continue to, pray, to, to provide for them. Pray for our church leadership, hence you're here. Pray for these guys, along with me, along with our staff, and pray for us because we need God's grace and wisdom to, to, to understand what you need, what we need, what Hunter Christian Church needs. Pray for peace and protection. Pray that God would open our eyes to our neighbours, those that are lying beaten and battered and bruised, on the side of the road, those that may be feeling lonely and isolated, those that are living in fear, those that have, are feeling hopeless. Friends, we have got a part to play. We have got a wonderful opportunity to be the church, not bound by a building, but be a church bound by the love in our heart for God and for one another. Pray for those that are isolated. Pray for those 
in our church family, we have a couple that are taking some self-isolation out of precaution. That's great. Pray for the, the elderly, the vulnerable, those that have already got colds and flus. Again, come to our Q&A a bit, or stay for our Q&A a bit later, and Libby will help us navigate through differences in that space. But you know what? I believe our church is going to be stronger than ever. And this isn't a political speech. This isn't, you know, I'm not here thinking, you know, we will rise up from the ashes. No, no, no. I really believe in God's word. And I believe that, that uh, the, the church that Jesus said that I will build my church. And I love the message translation says the church that Jesus builds will be so expansive with power that not even the gates of hell will be able to contain it. And I believe just for our church, I believe for our churches in our city, I believe for the churches across the, the world, that this is the season for the church to rise. And I'm really excited by that. I'm, I'm re- my, my heart breaks for, for those that are going through pain and, and all that, and the, those that will experience loss already in our country. But I'm, I'm passionate to make sure that, that our church does its part to perhaps be the church who God has destined and called us to be. So that's all I want to share with you and for those that are watching online, those who couldn't get here today, thank you for self-distancing. We left a child at home because he's been coughing all week. We're not fearful for him. We just need him to respect the guidelines that were given. Hi, Joel. For those that are others that are watching, those who are going to watch this later, uh, we're going to make this available. We can send that out. But we don't want to be overloading information to people. But now we're going to pray. And uh, so I'm going to uh, get the other microphones. Are they online? I'll just use one. One, one will do. One, one will do. Okay, so uh, actually, um, before we pray, because I've got such good-looking company behind me, and Andre and Andrew, um, <laughs> I'm going to ask, uh, where's Hez? You, 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 think, you thought you got away with it. Um, but she emailed me something this morning, I think just worthwhile, just um, for her sharing. I feel like the Lord's been impressing a scripture on me, and he probably has been for you too. But this one's Isaiah 43:19, For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And the sense is that if we look for the streams he's creating... See what he's doing and join in. It will become quite a river. Rivers of spiritual waters increasingly flowing over our land in and through the Australian people. So, Lord, we just ask that you'd help us to hear you, obey, and we ask you to release that river. Very good. So, um, if you don't mind, we're just going to go across left to right and I'll finish up. Thanks, Andre. Father in heaven, I just thank you. Thank you for your love, Lord. I just thank you that you are the strength um, that we can all lean on. And Lord, in uncertain times, you are the rock um, and our foundation is in you, Lord. Um, so we just really pray for this church, Lord. We just um, we know that we've got your blessing all the time, Lord. We know that um, you're the God of this people um, and that you're behind us um, all the way. Um, but just in uncertain times that you would just be giving people comfort um, in the hope um, that you are our rock. 
Um, just pray for wisdom too for uh, leadership, Lord, as we uh, make decisions and um, help help guide this church. Yeah, Lord, we um, we just thank you, Jesus, for uh, who you are to us, and that uh, as we go forward, we go forward following you. We follow your spirit. We just uh, thank you and praise you for all that you've made us. Um, you've made us significant. You've made us secure and uh, in what you've done for us in Jesus. And Lord, we just pray for that significance, that security to really flow through us in, in that supernatural sense as your spirit just leads and guides us to be um, at peace but also a, a powerful people as we just walk forward through this season knowing that you go before us always. We just thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for the leadership of this country, for the people that you've placed um, over our nation, over our states, over our local councils. Lord, we pray that you would give each of them wisdom. We pray that you would give them unity in their decision-making. We pray for those in the medical profession that are providing them with advice. Um, and we just ask that you would be with them through this difficult, stressful time. Lord, give them peace and um, just your word, Lord. And I pray for all the medical professionals in this country that are preparing and meeting current needs. Lord, we just pray, pray that you give them strength and health and peace. And Jesus, we thank you that you live inside each one of us and we ask now that you would stop this virus, that it would be stopped in its tracks, that the curve would flatten yeah. in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that at this time, I pray that division would just melt away and that the things that unify us as humanity would grow stronger and deeper, that as we look out for one another, it will actually cause a ripple effect over our community, that others would start to look out for others again and again and again, and, and that your love would be felt in the midst as humanity just reaches out to one another. In your name, God. And Father God, we just thank you for your promise of peace and protection for us. So we declare that over our church family. I declare that from my right to my left. I declare that for all those that are watching online and to those that will be watching this later. I thank you that you are our fortress and our shield. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us as the church, your church, your family, your people, your body, your army, your bride, Lord, to, to represent you well. And Lord, through this, that your church would rise and that, that people across this globe will come to discover a loving creator who is available to, to bring hope and bring peace and to bring joy in the midst of troubled times. So Lord, we commit our church to you. I commit our church families to you, Lord. I pray that you'll help us to, to find ways uh, to continue to, to love one another, serve one another, that you'd open our eyes to the needs of those around us. And Jesus, that you would be evident walking amongst us, Lord, that we'd very much sense your presence through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that families or, or people are at home or isolated, I, I thank you that, you're, you're, that our relationship with you is a real relationship. It's not a cognitive one. And so, Lord, I thank you that in a very real way that you'll be there to those at home, to those alone, to those that are uncertain. And, Lord, I just pray your blessing, your favor, your peace, your protection over Hunter Christian Church, its families, and across your church in this city, in this nation, and in this world. May, may God arise and his enemies be scattered. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.